college football headlines, NFL Week 6 recap, and a sit-down with Matt Daniluk. LaValley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk podcast brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, I'm your host, Chris LaValley. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. We just got a couple college football headlines to get to, and then we'll jump right into a busy NFL Week 6 recap. So Iowa, the team that everybody seemed to love for some reason, was finally throttled by a lesser-ranked team in Purdue, 24-7. Iowa, who was never a true top-five team, at least in my opinion, finally met its match after barely surviving against an injury-riddled Penn State last weekend. Iowa was never in this football game, and they it, it showed. They had a poor offensive performance. They've actually had poor offensive performances all season long. And Iowa does this. They have stretches like this where a few years ago they were considered a quote-unquote top-five team, and they ended up losing midway through the season. And there was all this hype and this buildup around this team. It was the same thing this year through the first five, six weeks of the college football season. Everyone was hyping up Iowa as this potential Big Ten champion and, and potential college football playoff team. I never saw it. Again, it for two weeks in a row, they struggled against Penn State. Again, the only reason why they won last weekend against Penn State was because Penn State lost their quarterback. And this week, they couldn't even show up against a lesser-ranked Purdue. Purdue wasn't ranked before because they, they upset Iowa. They're now the 25th-ranked team in the country. But prior to last weekend, Purdue wasn't even a ranked team. So this will assuredly take them out of college football playoff contention, which it should. There are at least four other teams that will play for the Big Ten championship game before them. So you've got... Michigan right now, who's undefeated. Ohio State with one loss. Michigan State, that's undefeated, as well as Penn State. So those are your four teams that you're probably looking at that will play in the Big Ten Championship game before Iowa. Now, I understand Iowa did beat Penn State, but I believe if you look at the strength of schedule and you look at everything else, I think Penn State has a better chance of making I think Iowa's going to lose a second game anyway. I don't know if Penn State will lose a second game this season, but I think Iowa will lose another game at some point in the regular season, which will completely take them out of the Big Ten Championship game anyway. Again, Iowa's got a weak schedule the rest of the way. And frankly, all the hype and, and all the people that were talking up this this team over the past few weeks was just irritating because there was no, if you actually watched the games and you watched Iowa play, there was nothing that you, that, Anyone who watches enough football would ever sit back and go, yeah, here's a team that's going to compete for a national championship. So it just, it was, it's one of those things where it, it, similar to the NFL, like you watch a team right now, like the Bengals who are playing pretty good football, right? They're, they're doing, they're surprising people. They're four and two. They look like a, the surprise team of, of this season anyway, or one of the surprise teams of this season, but there's nothing about the Bengals where you're sitting back and going, oh yeah, here's a Super Bowl contender. That's kind of what Iowa is. Is they're a, they're a team, they're a nice team, they're a decent team. I'm not saying they're terrible, but there's nothing about Iowa that would make you sit back and say, hey, there's a team that's going to compete for a national championship. Moving on. So the other the other big headline for this past week in college football, and this will be the last one, and we'll get right into the NFL, is Ed Orgeron is out at LSU. So it was announced Saturday evening after LSU's upset victory over Florida that Orgeron and LSU had reached a settlement and he would not be returning as head coach next season. This isn't a surprise. Since his national championship win two years ago, LSU has completely underperformed. They're 4-3 and three this season, and they were 5-5 five and five last season. That's not good enough at LSU, and that's not good enough at any top SEC school. So if you go to Alabama, if you're at Georgia, if you're at LSU, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Florida, if you don't compete, if you're not winning football games, you're not going to last very long. And without Joe Burrow at the helm, Ed Orgeron hasn't been that successful as a head coach. And it showed last season especially. The fact that this team went off the highest of highs of, of being one of the greatest college football teams we've ever seen to all of a sudden not being able to show up and going 500. And it, th- this past weekend was a great upset victory over Florida, don't get me wrong. And they are 4-3 and three on the season, and they could p- potentially go to a low-tier bowl game by the end of this season. But there, there were also a lot of rumors out there anyway that th- there was some friction between Orgeron and the AD at LSU, and there were a lot of boosters that weren't a big fan of his. And so they're, they're going to go in another direction again, not surprising. And frankly, I just don't – Orgeron was never their top choice to begin with. They always wanted to go in a different direction. So there's been names out there. I've, I've seen reports of Bill O'Brien's name being linked, Lane Kiffin, James Franklin. I saw one report about Urban Meyer. I don't think that's realistic. But So there are top names. There are also lesser-known coaches as well that are being linked to LSU. So we'll see what happens for LSU. I mean, so you've got two top college football programs coming into next season that are going to have two new head coaches in USC and LSU. And the real question is, if you were a head coach, which one would you rather go to? There's there's pros and cons to both. You can go to LSU, where the last three coaches that have been there have all won national championships. Nick Saban, Les Miles, and Ed Orgeron. Or you can go to USC, which is considered the creme de la creme of college football. And I'm really not too sure why. Because since Pete Carroll, LSU, uh, excuse me, not LSU, USC hasn't done anything. So I'm not too sure why USC, aside from it being in Los Angeles and Southern California, is really all that appealing. I've I've never understood that. So for me, if I was a head coach, I'd much rather go to LSU. You're going to get the better talent with, it's the SEC. You're competing with next to nobody in Louisiana. There's not another school in Louisiana, whereas you go out to USC, you're out in Southern California. I mean, you're competing with the world out there. There's plenty of other opportunities, other schools that you can go to in that area that are top 25 schools. So I, to me, I think LSU is the place to go. But besides the point, we'll see two, uh, two big programs get two head coaches, and we'll see what happens as we move forward. All right, enough college football. Let's jump right into the NFL. So we got to kick it off with what I think was the biggest statement game of the weekend, and that was the Ravens trouncing the Chargers 34-6. Lamar Jackson was 19 of 27 for 167 yards, one touchdown, two picks, and 51 rushing yards. Justin Herbert, 22 of 39 for 195 yards, one touchdown, one interception. This game is pretty cut and dry. The Ravens owned every second of this ballgame. They dominated the Chargers in every way possible. Their defense owned Justin Herbert and the Chargers' O-line, and it gave them fits all game. The Ravens played like the true blue Super Bowl contenders that they are. The Ravens look like the best team in the AFC next to the Buffalo Bills. And I'll touch on the Bills later. I know they lost to the Titans, but I, doesn't, I still think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. With all due respect to the Ravens, but the Ravens are right there. It's neck and neck. And if you told me that, that the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, I'm not going to argue against you. They, I can't get over how good the Ravens looked in that game. I picked the Chargers to win. I thought the Chargers have all the momentum going into that game. After that massive win against the Browns, clearly that this was a come-down game for the Chargers. And the Chargers have a, must needed, uh, a much-needed bye week. Uh, and then they'll respond in two weeks against New England. We'll see how that goes. I, I would definitely take the Chargers over New England in two weeks. They'll have two weeks to prepare for New England. 
but this this game really isn't about the Chargers. It doesn't change my mind about Justin Herbert. It doesn't change my mind about the Chargers. The Chargers are still a playoff team. They just got the break speed off of them against a much better football team. And there's nothing wrong with saying that the Ravens are a much better football team right now than, than the Chargers. And while Lamar Jackson's numbers weren't stellar, Lamar Jackson's in, in true blue MVP form. Like, if you told me Lamar Jackson's your MVP right now, I'm not going to say no. He's right up there with Allen, with Kyler Murray, and with Dak Prescott. And you can, uh, look, if you want to have Justin Herbert in that conversation, I know I do because of my love for Herbert. But I think that Lamar Jackson, this is a Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray-led train with Josh Allen and Dak Prescott right behind them. And Tom Brady can be sitting there somewhere. But again, I'm still not impressed with what the Bucks have done overall this season. Tom Brady's numbers are great, but if, again, if you look at, the, at, at their strength of schedule and at the competition that they played against, Tom Brady has beat the crap out of crappy teams and has struggled against good teams. So that's that's my art, and that's my pushback against the Tom Brady conversation. But again, this isn't about anybody else but the Ravens. The Ravens are a tremendous football team. I was wrong about the Ravens in my preseason predictions. I didn't think the Ravens were going to be this good. I thought they were going to have some issues, especially because of all the injuries they've had at running back. And they've got a running back by committee type of thing going for them, and it works. I mean, they ran, for, they rushed for almost 200 yards against the Chargers. I, it, I just, you can't say enough about the Ravens, man. They, they look tremendous. Moving on, Cardinals beat the Browns 37 to 14. Kyler Murray 20 of 30 for 229 yards and four touchdowns. Mayfield 19 of 28, 234 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Kyler Murray was once again flawless. The Cardinals embarrassed the Browns Sunday afternoon in Cleveland. This is the league's top offense and defense, and they showed why they're still the only undefeated team in the NFL. The Cardinals are rolling right now. And again, you want to tell me Kyler Murray's the MVP, I would be right there with you. If you tell me it's Lamar Jackson, again, I'm right there with you. I, it's one of those things where I, I will hear either side of the argument. I think you can give the edge to Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray's sitting there undefeated. And his numbers are insane right now. They're just incredible. And what he's doing, it's like a Madden video game watching him. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And the Cardinals are a Super Bowl contender. Not a lot of people had them making the playoffs. I'm going to pat myself on the back and say, I did. I didn't have them winning the division, but I did have them making, a pl making the wild card. Now, it's still early. The Cardinals could fall back to earth a bit. Their schedule is not easy. I mean, they've got to play in two weeks. They've got to play the Packers on Thursday night. That's not going to be an easy game. That's going to be a great game, but it's not going to be an easy game by any means. So it's still early, but I, I don't know how you can't sit back and just marvel at what the Cardinals have done so far this season. And now we get to the Browns. Baker Mayfield did get injured in the game, but it happened late in the game and was hardly the reason for this drubbing by the Cardinals. Mayfield is not the guy. I'm sorry. Mayfield, I'm done. I'm done with the Browns, and I'm done with Baker Mayfield conversation from here on out. He's not going to be the quarterback to bring you to the promised land. I was wrong about Mayfield. I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I was dead wrong about Baker Mayfield. I said the Browns should take him number one. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be the answer in Cleveland for the Browns, and he's not. He's not. The Browns might need to consider other options in the future and not tie themselves down to Mayfield long term. 
if they're going to give him a contract extension, it should not be a big one. It should not be more than two to three years. He doesn't deserve it. He can't win big football games. He's shown it time and time again. And I'm sorry, the Browns are not a Super Bowl contender. They're not. They're not. Frankly, I would, if I'm being honest, I think the Bengals are a better playoff contender than the Browns right now. It has injuries have nothing to do with it. Take the injuries out of it. All things created equal, the way that they're coached, the way that their quarterback, but Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. So the Bengals already win right there. If I had to take a quarterback to win a football game, I would take Joe Burrow 10 times out of 10 over Baker Mayfield. Mayfield's just not the guy. I mean, I can't say this enough. And frankly, I'm annoyed by the fact that people out there are still trying to defend this this Browns team as if, no, 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 they'll, 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 you know, they've got a great running game and their defense. And it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, the quarterback position is too important to just kind of say, well, they can still get by with him. No, they can't. Mayfield keeps showing you that they can't. And look, I'm not trying, I'm really not trying to pile on Baker Mayfield here, but I, for somebody who was on his bandwagon and was rooting for him so hard, it, the last two years have pretty much shown me, yeah, he'll win you football games. Sure, he'll help you win football games, but he'll never help you win the big game. He's going to be that quarterback who's going to be fortunate if his defense gets a massive turnover late in the game, gets a pick six, and they happen to win a playoff game. Yeah, Mayfield gets the win under his column of, hey, look, I'm a, I've got a playoff victory under, under my belt, but it wasn't because of him. It was the circumstances around me that helped me win. He's just not that guy, y'all. I, he's just, I don't know what else to say. It's just, it, it's very disheartening. Again, it's, it, to me, it's very disheartening. There's a, uh, there was a lot of momentum behind Mayfield coming into this season. And I said, look, he's got to show up. He's got to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, that he can carry this team again this year. And so far this season, again, season's still technically kind of early. He could turn it around. Maybe he does. But from what I've seen so far this season, if I was the Browns, I'd be I'd be scrambling trying to figure out what the hell we're going to do with the quarterback position in the, in the not-so-distant future. And here's my hot take with that. The Browns should make a play for Russell Wilson. Wilson's going to want out of Seattle at the end of the season because, yeah, let's face it, Seattle's not going to make the playoffs. They weren't going to make the playoffs, in my opinion, even with Russell Wilson completely healthy. But you go and you make a play for Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson will win you a Super Bowl in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield won't. Or you go and you go make a play for Aaron Rodgers at the end of the season. Those are the type of moves that I think would give Cleveland the best chance to actually capitalize on what they've built for that roster. They have a decent enough coaching staff. They've, they've actually done a, a good job building up that coaching staff. And again, the talent and the personnel on that team is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Their only issue is at quarterback. So if I was the Browns, rather than looking to sign Mayfield long-term, I would be looking to trade him and looking to see if I can get either Rodgers or a Russell Wilson type of quarterback and bring them in, even if it's for only a few seasons. Obviously, with, with Aaron Rodgers, you're only going to get him for a couple years. Russell Wilson, you can get him for a little bit longer because he is younger. But that, I think, is the play, and I think that's the best chance the Browns have moving forward. All right, moving on to probably the best game to watch of the weekend, and that was Cowboys-Patriots. 
Cowboys beat the Patriots in overtime, 35-29. Dak Prescott, 36 of 51 for 445 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Mac Jones, 15 of 21 for 229 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. My opinion, this was the game of the weekend. The Cowboys should have blown the Patriots out. And because of that, I feel like the Cowboys still aren't quite there just yet. I know everybody's on the Cowboys bandwagon. Everyone's sitting back going, they're back. This is the team. This is the team that's going to go to the Super Bowl. Or this is the team that's going to go deep into the playoffs. Look, if, if you actually look over the season here, they've gotten lucky in two wins this season. First against the Chargers in week two. And again, Sunday afternoon in Foxborough. Their 5-1 and one record could easily be 3-3. Three and three. They lost to the Chargers in week two because the Chargers shot themselves in the foot with penalties. And in this game, the Patriots just couldn't put it to, put it all together. But again, this game shouldn't have even been close, though. If you watch the game, the Cowboys were clearly the better football team. They have more talent. They, they have offensive weapons galore. And the fact that the Patriots were able to keep it close throughout was, it, it's just, I'm sorry, it does not give me a whole lot of confidence to sit back and go, oh yeah, no, clearly this Cowboys team is a top-notch team. This is a game that really they should have won by 20 points. Easy, going away. I mean, this game really shouldn't have been as close as it was. But poor coaching, and we're going to touch on that in a second, and dumb penalties were the reason this game was as close as it was. Prescott played another great game and hit a clutch touchdown throw to C.D. Lamb in overtime. Dak Prescott is in MVP form. He's playing tremendous. It's, it's actually really nice to see that Prescott is back. He's fully healthy, and he's clicking with his team offensively. Now let's go back to the coaching for a second. Is Mike McCarthy the dumbest head coach in the NFL? Let me answer that for you. Yes, he is. And not only is he, he looks like he's the dumbest coach in the NFL. He walks around on that, on that sideline looking lost every time the camera pans to him. Like just, he looks pathetically lost out there. And I don't understand who the hell thought hiring him was a good idea. He sucked in Green Bay. The only reason why he was successful in Green Bay was because of Aaron Rodgers. And he's lucking up right now because he has arguably the best offensive coordinator in football in Caleb Moore, who should be a head coach and probably will be a head coach next season, which is going to be devastating for Dallas when they lose him. And I think that when they lose Caleb Moore, all those warts that you're not seeing right now with Mike McCarthy's coaching is going to be coming out in, in full force because he's not a good offensive play caller. He's, he's known as an offensive play caller. He's not very good at it. Again, he wasn't good at it in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers had issues with his play calling all the time. So I, I, I just, I don't, it, what kills me about the fact that Dallas is winning is because Mike McCarthy's not going to get fired at the end of the season, even though he should. There was no upgrade. When they moved on from Jason Garrett and they went and they took Mike McCarthy, I'm sitting there going, y'all are swimming upstream. You're not, there is nothing, there is nothing upgradable from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy. Frankly, you'd be better off with Jason Garrett. Because Jason Garrett, at least, is like a rah-rah guy. He can at least get a locker room going. You've got the support. You've got, you know, he's obviously he's the ginger clapper. That's the whole joke about it. But I feel like the team would rally around Jason Garrett. What are you rallying around with Mike McCarthy? I mean, seriously, like I watched Hard Knocks. There was nothing that Mike McCarthy ever said in Hard Knocks that made me go, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong about this guy. This is a dude I'd run through a wall for. No. There is nothing about Mike McCarthy that spills confidence. Mike McCarthy, to me, should be fired. I don't care how good the Cowboys are. 
Mike McCarthy needs to go. He's just like, again, man, watching him on the sideline, he looks lost. Like, he really does. It's sad. That dude's got coordinator face written all over him. They used to talk about that on, on uh, SVP and Rosillo, where they would say, is this dude got head coach face or coordinator face? Mike McCarthy has coordinator face written on him all day long. There is nothing about him that should be a head coach. Moving on to the Patriots real quick. You got to give the Patriots credit. They hung around all game in a game that they had no business winning or even being in. Mac Jones is going to be great. I mean, I say this every week, and every week I watch him, the more I realize I was wrong about Mac Jones, the dude's going to be a stud. The Patriots' offensive play calling, though, was once again what ultimately cost them this game. And for a team that has always been known as being the best coach team in, in the league, this is the second game this season where Josh McDaniels' play calling has cost the team a win. Like, I just, I don't understand what the hell McDaniels is doing out there. I don't, I, I just, I don't understand. He's not putting Mac Jones in the best position to win football games. He's not putting him in the best opportunities to succeed. I just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on there. I don't know if there's a disconnect. I don't know why they won't just let the kid throw the football. Because when they do let him air it out, he looks tremendous. Let him take more chances. Because when you do, he connects. This dinking and dunking thing is great for maybe early in a game to get his confidence up every game. But in the second half, when you need to score, stop stop doing these like quick little screen passes. Let him throw the ball downfield a little bit and see what happens. Let him make mistakes. Let him learn. It's the only way he's going to get better. But if, if I was a Patriots fan, I would be feeling pretty damn good about my young quarterback. All right, and finally, let's talk Bills-Titans. Titans beat the Bills 34-31 Monday Night Football. Ryan Tannehill was 18-29 for no touchdowns and a pick. Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 143 yards and three touchdowns. Josh Allen was 35-47 for 353 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. He also had 26 yards rushing. This game, to me, does not change anything about how I feel about the Buffalo Bills. I I would do exactly what, what McDermott did at the end of that football game going forward on fourth down. You're two inches away from the goal line. You go for it. I know I know Josh Allen slipped. You could question the play calling maybe, but going forward on fourth down, the decision to go forward on fourth down was the right decision. And frankly, I still think the Bills are the better football team. Again, they are a leg slip away from Josh Allen falling into the end zone. The dude's 6'4 and weighs 230 pounds. Nine out of ten times he's gonna he's gonna either convert that fourth down or make it into the end zone. So I don't question the Bills. The Titans played a great game. Derrick Henry is a beast. I, I, like Derrick Henry, we really need to start having a conversation about where Derrick Henry it ranks all time. And it's funny, we we have no problem talking about quarterbacks. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go on a sidebar here. Real quick to tie this in a nice little bow about the, the Bills and the Titans. The Titans are okay. They're 4-2 this season. They're better than I thought they'd be. I still don't think they're a great team, but they're, they'll probably win the AFC South, and then they'll lose in the first round of the playoffs. The Bills, to me, are still top two. You can argue, if you want to, about them or the Ravens. I think the Ravens are a notch ahead of them just because of this past weekend's win over the Chargers and the drubbing that they did to the Chargers. But the Buffalo Bills are still going to be fine, and I think that they are a Super Bowl contender. Okay, bring it back to Derrick Henry real quick. So we talk about quarterbacks all the time. We're, we have no problem sitting there and having a debate about 
you know, where Pat Mahomes is all time, where Aaron Rodgers is all time, Tom Brady, whomever, Peyton Manning, when Peyton Manning was playing. We have no problem bringing up quarterbacks and arguing about who's a top three quarterback all time, who's a top five quarterback all time. Is he the greatest quarterback ever? We don't do that often with running backs. And I think that that's very interesting. And it's almost like there's like this hollowed ground when it comes to the running back position. Whereas like quarterbacks, while the quarterback position gets all the praise and all the the adulation and everyone wants to debate who's the greatest quarterback of all time. It's almost like people are afraid to bring up the conversation of who is the greatest running back of all time and or is this running back better than the greats like Barry Sanders or Jim Brown. It's just, it. I find it fascinating that no one really ever wants to go there. Like back when Adrian Peterson was just owning the league, people would talk about Peterson and be like, you know, he is going to be one of the greats. But no one ever, you never heard the argument of Peterson, in my opinion, is the greatest running back of all time. That never ever came up i didn't hear one person ever say it and maybe that's because nobody ever really believed it but usually on those sports talk debate shows you always get one guy who's just going to say the outlandish thing because that's what's going to grab the youtube audience and that's what's going to go up on social media and people are going to click on it and be like oh let's hear this moron say whatever you know like so it would be no different than me right now saying that I think Justin Herbert is going to have a better career than Pat Mahomes. That's something that ESPN would love because people are going to go, well, what a moron. Let me click on that, right? Look, I can be self-deprecating when I have to be. But the point that I'm making, though, is no one's making a case about Derrick Henry. And I think that that's something we really need to sit back here and think about. And look at what Derrick Henry has done over the last three to four seasons. Historically, what he's done. Because I was coming into this season and saying, look, Derrick Henry's not going to be that good. This is He had his three years of, of relevancy. This is when running backs start, you know, their, their numbers start falling back because how much of a beating can you really take at such a high level? And Derrick Henry, he's not just playing great. He's destroying people. Like, people are afraid to hit this guy. He's a prick house. And... It's the, the domination, the way he runs, the physicality in which he runs. Look, I think he's a better... I, you know, you can have your argument about Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, whatever. I think Derrick Henry's in the top three conversation all time, already. I think he's better than Adrian Peterson. I really do. This dude is incredible what he's done and what he's been able to do, his size, his speed... He's, I think he's a better, I think he's a better running back than Emmett Smith. And I'm not afraid to have that conversation, but I just, I don't understand why running backs just, it's almost like it's an off-limit conversation where it's, these are the elites of the elites up here, your Browns, your Sanders, your Adrian Petersons, your Emmett Smiths, like th this is your, your all-time and then everybody else just kind of filters in underneath and that you're not really allowed to touch that hollowed ground of running backs. Look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you think that the running back conversation isn't something that's that's as taboo as I'm making it out to be. At LaValle CH on Twitter, you can let me know. But I just I, I think it's fascinating that, that for whatever reason, we'll talk about quarterbacks like it's no big deal. But when it comes to running backs, it's just it's almost like there's like a pushback against that type of conversation. 
But I do think that Derrick Henry, really, we really need to sit back at the end of this season maybe, look at his numbers, look at where they stack up all time, and really start having a conversation about the fact that he could be in the top three conversation ever. I'm not saying he is, and I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that he. And I, I know I said that a moment ago. Like, yeah, he's, he's. I think he's the third best running back of all time. Maybe, maybe that's a little hype, hyperbolic, but I think that that type of conversation needs to start happening. I think that that's that would be an interesting conversation to have on sports debate shows. We should introduce an other topic outside of quarterbacks, especially when you have such a great running back in Derrick Henry right now who is just destroying the league year after year after year after year. Not to mention the fact that he's an MVP candidate. He'll never win because the quarterback position, there's too many great quarterbacks right now. There just is. It's not like there's a lull in quarterback play. If there was a lull in quarterback play, I think Henry would be getting a lot more love for MVP. But if you told me I want to put, you know, I'm going to argue Henry into the MVP conversation, you ain't going to get any pushback from me. He's the reason why why the Titans are four and two. It has nothing to do with their quarterback. Ryan Tannehill's been terrible this year, statistically anyway. So I just, like I said, I just think that that's a really interesting conversation. Again, bringing it back to the to the football game, the Bills are going to be fine. If you if you believe that the Bills are a fraud or you don't think the Bills are, are a Super Bowl contender because of this game, I, I can't help you because there was nothing about that football game that should make anybody question how good the Buffalo Bills are. As I said, the Titans will very likely win the AFC South. I still don't trust them in the playoffs. I think they're going to be a one-and-done in the playoffs. And I think we really need to start having a conversation about where Derrick Henry ranks all time because I, I think he's one of the greatest we've ever seen. All right, so let's get to some other NFL news and notes around the league. The Raiders bounce back following a rough week, beating the Broncos 34-24. Derek Carr, 18-27, 341 yards and two touchdowns. Derek Carr is not in the MVP conversation, or if he is, he's, down, you know, like 10th, 9th, something like that. Uh, but Carr is having a tremendous season. Uh, he's second in passing yards this season. He's been awesome. You know, Derek Carr is proving to be a, a borderline top 10 quarterback. I've always thought that he is at least a top 12, top 13 quarterback, but I think you can make an argument about putting him in the top 10 conversation. He's been solid all season. The Raiders are still a good football team. And maybe with the weight of John Gruden off their backs, you know, maybe that's what the the Raiders need in order to uh, catapult themselves into the playoffs this season. Bengals continue to overachieve this season as they uh, they brought their record to four and two after beating up on the lowly Lions 34 to 11. Joe Burrow, 19 of 29, 271 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Joe Burrow's a revelation. I, I Joe Burrow is just nasty, man. He's so good. I can't believe the Bengals are foreign, too. Now, I got to give Richo credit, and it pains me in my heart of hearts to ever give him credit for any of his outlandish takes. But in our preseason NFL prediction thing, I believe he had the Bengals. I don't know if he had the Bengals winning the AFC north but he had them i think in like second place he had them winning a lot of football games this year and matt and i lost our minds on him was like, what are you talking about the, the Bengals will be lucky to win four or five games this year well they've already eclipsed four and if you look at their record they with with pittsburgh kind of you know you don't really know what you're going to get from pittsburgh from week to week and with the browns just playing barely 500 football the Bengals can make things very interesting in that division, at least as far as wild card goes. The Ravens are 
clearly the, the best team by far in that division. But the Bengals could really make things interesting moving forward. I'm not saying the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. But the Bengals, this Bengals team could win eight or nine games, which would be a huge, a huge comeback after having a terrible season last year. So, you know, the Bengals at least have something, have some, they clearly have something at quarterback, but they really have something cooking in Cincinnati right now. And that's pretty awesome to watch. Rookie phenom Trevor Lawrence gets his first win as a pro as the Jags squeak by the reeling Dolphins in London, 23 to 20. Lawrence was 25 of 41 for 319 yards and a touchdown. Running back James Robinson had over 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. James Robinson, to me, is the, is the the best story that no one's talking about in the NFL. Dude was an undrafted free agent coming into this season. He was, I think he was predicted to be on the practice squad, and he's been a revelation for them. It's just a feel-good story. It's something that uh, that not enough people are talking about, and I just I think it's interesting. I think his his story is uh, it's always nice to hear when when you hear about somebody coming in who no one was really giving the time of day to, and they end up just being a surprise and and being great for the team. So good for him. He's going to get himself a decent payday, and you know we'll see what happens with the Jaguars moving forward. I, I don't expect much from them. Again, maybe they'll only win that. Maybe they're only win this season. Maybe they'll win two or three games. But until they get rid of Urban Meyer, I, I just don't see anything positive for the Shagwars team. Trevor Lawrence, again, is not the issue with Jacksonville. So for all those Trevor Lawrence haters out there, you guys can give me all your stock, and I'll gladly take it. Finally, my Colts finally learned how to hold on to a lead in a football game, albeit against the Texans as they dominated 31-3. Carson Wentz continues to play well this season, 11-20 for 223 yards and two touchdowns. This season, Carson Wentz, 1,545 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception. Carson Wentz has been great. I have, I have no issues with Carson Wentz except for last week when he couldn't score a touchdown in the second half. But overall, Carson Wentz is not the problem in, in Indy. The problem in Indy is their defense. The problem in Indy, unfortunately, has also been my coach who has made some really, really stupid play-calling decisions as well. And here's the deal. The Titans winning on Monday night really put the Colts on a hole. Now, I said last week, I was ranting last week, I was pissed last week, and I said, look, this Colts team's not going to make the playoffs. This was the last week was their opportunity to have a get right game and really get moving here. The Colts have a very favorable schedule moving forward, but the Titans winning this past week really takes them out of contention. I, The Titans would have to fall flat on their face and the Colts would have to win five or six straight in order for them to even be in consideration for the South title. Because let's face it, there's no team out of the AFC South that's going to make the wild card. So you have to win the division in order to make it to the playoffs. And I unfortunately don't see it. But on the positive note, and this is the only positive note you can take from a shitty season like this, Carson Wentz looks good. And if he can stay healthy, I know he's already been banged up this season, but if he can relatively stay healthy and play the majority of the season, it's a win for the Colts. Because you know you have your quarterback now. We've got our quarterback. We have somebody that we can rally around. And really, if they fix that defense, they fix that that weak-ass secondary, we'll be okay. And I trust Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard's an excellent GM. I trust him to be able to make the moves in the draft or make a trade that we need in order to compete next season. But this season, as far as I'm concerned, this season's a lost season. It's just not going to happen. So let's see what we can do. Let's keep Wentz healthy. Let's keep him upright. And, you know, hopefully he can he can keep building. Like, th- to me, this would be the season for Wentz to build back that confidence that he lost in Philly all those years ago. So if this can just, even if we don't win a lot of games, but he plays well and he builds back that confidence, 
I think that'll do tremendous things for us come next season. All right, here are my picks for week seven. I was two and two last week. I'm 12 and 12 on the season. Not great. Not bad though. 500. I'll take it. Four games for you. Bengals at Ravens, Panthers at Giants, Colts at 49ers, Texans at Cardinals. Bengals at Ravens. Ravens are a six and a half point favorite. I got the Ravens all day. I talked about the Bengals a little while ago. I said that I think that, you know, they're they're playing really well. They're surprising people. The Ravens to me are head and shoulders better than the Bengals. I would take the Ravens. They're at home. I I just think the Ravens are going to win this game by double digits. I think they're that much better than the Bengals. Panthers and Giants. Giants are a two and a half point underdog. Take the Giants in this football game. I like I know they just got trounced by the Rams. The Panthers, though, don't look good. They Their defense looks okay, but Sam Darnold, unfortunately, seems to be falling back to earth. And I'm starting to question whether or not he's actually a competent NFL quarterback. You know, I was, I've been rallying around Sam Darnold for a long time. I want to see him be successful in Carolina. I really do. But I just don't. And frankly, I, I still like this Giants team. I, they're injury riddled, but I still like them. And you know how I feel about Daniel Jones. So I'm going to take the Giants in this game. Uh, again, it's Giants plus two and a half. I would take the Giants. That's my underdog pick of the week. And then we have Colts at 49ers. The Colts are a four-point underdog. I think the 49ers win the game. I think the Colts keep it close. Um, so I would take the Colts plus the four in this game. I, I don't I don't think the 49ers win by more than three. 49ers got a lot of injury issues. There's uh, The 49ers, once again, are injury riddled for the second season in a row, which I think could potentially cost them a playoff berth. Um, and like I said, I know the Colts beat the crap out of the Texans, and it's just the Texans, but I think that the Colts can build on that. And, you know, we'll – See what happens, but I, I do think the Colts keep it a lot closer than four points. And finally, Texas, the Texans at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a 17-point favorite at home. Take the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals win by at least 20. Look, if the Colts were able to blow out the, the, the Texans, there's no reason why the Cardinals can't. So I would take the Cardinals all day, take them by at least 20. Again, I know it's a lot of points. 17 points is an insane amount of points to lay down here. Uh, but I, I think the Cardinals can do it. I think the Cardinals are going to win by at least 20. So, again, I've got the Ravens minus 6.5, Giants plus 2.5, Colts plus 4, and Cardinals minus 17. All right, everybody. So this week I'm very happy to be joined by the Sideline Network's own Matthew Danielek, who is back in the network fold with a new podcast called The Secret Stuff, which is a basketball fantasy podcast. And he was kind enough to come on and uh, share with you guys his uh, his new project. So how you doing, bud? I'm back, baby. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> coming coming home to the network. So how did the idea of your podcast develop? What was the developing process for it? What made you decide to uh, to venture into fantasy basketball? Well, as you know well, and as listeners of any podcast that sports pod we've ever done together or any pod I've ever done by myself knows, I am a basketball junkie. I also love fantasy sports. So my favorite thing in the entire world is my fantasy basketball season. I obsess over it all year. I study it. There are no good fantasy basketball podcasts, period. They're just they don't exist. Um, and I really wanted to 
make my own and have kind of like a guide for people who are going into their draft because, you know, you get lost. There's so much information out there if you really want to look for it in terms of rankings and all that stuff. But having people who play it and know it parse out, you know, little things like where, you know, where Carl Anthony Towns should fall in the top 12 in the first round, you know, these things. And, and I felt like I had um, enough knowledge and enough perspective on it to kind of offer that up. And then I got my buddy Decott to Dan Cotter to, uh, to do it with me. And he is a multi-time champ in our league. Um, so that was kind of how it, how it came together. I just, uh, I really enjoy it. And I think I have a lot of knowledge to, to kind of share on the subject. So. So what's the structure of the show? Do you guys have a structure yet? Are you still trying to, to phase that in or what's, what, what are you trying to explain to your audience within every show? Well, so the first episode, um, which went up on Sunday, uh, is a preseason episode. It's a, these are the first two rounds of your draft targets. Um, these are some young guys we're looking at to pop this year. Um, so basically, that's going to be kind of a one-off show, obviously, because that's, you know, the draft only happens once. Throughout most of the season, we are going to be structuring it pretty similarly where we're going to cover kind of top targets um but it's going to be waiver and free agency we're going to talk about some strategy but we're actually going to do a couple of interviews as well we're going to bring our commissioner on um because anybody who's you know really hardcore into fantasy has probably tried to start a league at some point and it's really difficult as a commissioner to start a league have it be successful have everybody in it be active and involved and russo our commissioner worked really hard on this league and it's been around for a while now. And it's honestly the best fantasy league, it's everybody talks about it. It's like, there's nothing close to it. Everybody's engaged. Everybody, you know, talks shit in the group chat, you know, there's trade offers all the time. And I think it's, I've, I've done it and failed multiple times. Like I've tried to build a good sustainable fantasy football league and had no luck at all. Um, so it's and same thing with fantasy baseball. So it's really hard to do that. So we're going to do some cool stuff. Um, we're going to play some games. Uh, we did one this week called Mellow v. Mellow, <laughs> where we talked about whether or not a player was more Carmelo or Love Mellow in terms of their career arc. Um, so we're going to do some stuff like that. Um, but mostly we're looking to, you know, look at players who are maybe on your waiver wire or could be streamed. Um, that we're targeting and then talking about strategy that way. So what made you come up with the title, The Secret Stuff? Well, as you well know, in my opinion, the greatest sports movie of all time is Space Jam. And I love Michael Jordan. I love that movie. I was just like, I was, you know, you know how hard it is to find like a fun name for a podcast, right? Like something unique and different. And I was just grinding it out and I had all these ideas. And every time I pulled up Spotify to check and see if any good name that I thought it was already taken, it was already taken. So secret stuff popped into my head kind of at the ninth, at the, at the 11th hour. Um, and I just quickly checked it and it wasn't taken. And uh, Decot, my co-host uh, was like, I love it. <laughs> I was like, good, because I have no other ideas. Um, so I just kind of jumped on that and we just rolled from there. And now 
it actually feels really fitting because that's what fantasy basketball is, right? It's uh, it's a placebo effect. Like I can't actually play this sport. <laughs> I can't actually like really coach and manage a team. I love watching it. I'm going to follow it anyway. And now I get to manage, you know, this roster of, of guys that I, that I end up caring about way too much, you know, and it kind of gets me pumped up. And so that's, you know, this secret stuff is, this you know it's the insider info it's it's what you need to know to to help you go out there and beat the monsters in your league uh is so is fantasy basketball is this your your favorite fantasy sports activity i mean more so than fantasy football it's it's not even remotely close it's not even remotely close like i i love football and i love baseball um but fantasy basketball is my number one was fantasy basketball your introduction into fantasy sports or was football? No, no football. Okay. Fantasy football way back at the beginning of the League of Legends, 2006, I think it was. Um, fantasy basketball, this is my this is my fifth year in this league. Um, the league was around for a couple of years before I got in there. Um, but, yeah, so this is year five for me with fantasy basketball. Okay. All right, so I've got two – fantasy basketball questions for you and then we'll actually talk some nba stuff yeah Uh, let's go so who is who for your money is the most overlooked player in fantasy basketball this year who that's a tough question um there's two ways you could go with this you could think about a guy who's going to probably end up in the top 10 that maybe got drafted outside of it um but you know it's hard to fly under the radar when you're putting up 70 fantasy points a game so that's a little less likely. I would say, actually, um, I don't know. Uh, Malik Beasley tends to be. I know that's a really like that's a deep cut, like sixth man on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Malik Beasley. Um, he went super late in drafts again this year. I took him with the last pick last year, and he was like a top fifty fantasy guy all season. Um, so like everybody sleeps on him. Um, I think. Oh, geez, my furnace just kicked on. No, no worries. You're fine. Keep going. <laughs> it's that time of year. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, I, I'm I'm in full dad mode this week. I'm like, who touched the thermostat? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Malik Beasley's, Malik Beasley's a good one. Um, OG Ananobi for, for Toronto um, ends up being very productive. But I really think if we're talking about guys that matter and names that people who don't follow basketball hardcore are going to recognize, uh, it's probably Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Um, Donovan Mitchell did go in the first round in our draft, but in most drafts he was going like third round. Um, and Yahoo had him ranked like 24th or 25th or something like that. Um, and that dude is poised for an MVP caliber season this year. Who is the most overrated player in fantasy basketball? It's sad. It's sad to say this, but it's almost always Anthony Davis. Everybody, whoever has AD, AD went in the second round this year. Whoever has AD ends up really, really disappointed that they have AD at some point in the season every year. That is surprising, actually. That that's not a name that I would have popped into my head. So, um, although. Russell Westbrook, who finished second overall in points last year, and I drafted high in the second round, had a big old stinker last night in the opening game against the Warriors. So it might be Russell Westbrook faster than I wanted to be. 
All right, so let's uh, let's transition since you just brought up um, some uh, some NBA games here. I figured um, I, I'll give you. I've got three generic NBA season uh, questions for you, but I figured this will at least start a decent conversation. So, who is your MVP pick this season? Ah, my uh, my preseason MVP. I I really I really believe it's Luca. I know he's the I know he's the betting favorite, which makes me not want to pick him because. Vegas is dumb, but I was torn. I was torn between Luca and Giannis again. Like Giannis might win his third MVP in four years this year. Um, but I just, I really believe in Luca, and I think this is his year where last year it became battle of attrition. It was just that Embiid and LeBron both got hurt and Jokic didn't. If all of those guys had been healthy, it would have been a crazy three-way race down to the wire. Um, but instead, Jokic ran away with it. So I, I think this is the year that Luca is that guy. Yeah, I mean Luca was my pick as well. Um, I had Steph as my second, but um, you know I, I don't know if it, it, it depends. I mean, it obviously, it depends on how well the Warriors play this season too. If, if, Listen, if he keeps putting up triple doubles like he did last <laughs> night and taking down the Lakers, you might be right. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the fear, the fear was Steph, and the reason that you could never put money on him to win MVP. Oh, that's so much better. Is because he's probably going to get hurt at some point and miss some time. That's yeah. just become a part of his every year. Steph's going to miss, I don't know, 10 games. Right. Which is fine, which is fine. But if you get a guy like Jokic who plays all 82, you can't really compete. So since we're both, we both agree with Luca, I'm going to kind of spin off this for a second. How long do you think he has before people start pushing back against him for not getting further into the postseason because every superstar always has, you know, you get your honeymoon period for a few seasons, but I feel like if, if this season, if the Mavericks flame out early in the postseason, I'm wondering if next season people kind of start wavering on their Luca love. Yeah. I was going to say it's this year. Like it's now it's now he's an MVP favorite. We saw how incredible he could be last year, nearly carrying that team past the Clippers on his own. Um, they still didn't really add any help for him. Um, I mean, they added Devontae Graham. Like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Luca. This was the best we could get you. It's like, um, I feel like it was a, it's like the You Keep the Money episode of Hey Arnold, since, you know, Austin Space, shout out, baby. <laughs> no, you keep the money. Like, yeah, Mav, exactly. the Mavs, Mark Cuban's just looking at himself in the mirror going, you keep the money, Mark, you keep the money. Luca's got no help on that team. So he's going to have to do it all by himself. But to be truly great, and this is why I never thought Anthony Davis was like a true like top five player in the NBA because he dragged the Pelicans to the playoffs once. All right, man. Like, you're good. We know you're good. We know you're really good. But, like, LeBron was taking G League players to the NBA Finals in Cleveland, like, you have to be able to put a team. I'm not saying Luca's got to take them to the finals, but he does need to be able to at least get out of the first round, maybe make a conference final. You know, the West is fallible this year. There's a lot of flux. I mean, Clay's not going to come back until midseason at best. Jamal Murray's not going to come back until, you know, three quarters of the way through at best. Kawhi may not come back at all. 
Like if there was a year for things to break right for Dallas, this feels like the year. And I think if Luca doesn't at least show out, not, I mean, he was incredible in the playoffs. They just didn't win. He needs to be transcendent for them to win. And I think if he doesn't do that, even though it's a little unfair because he has no help, people are going to start talking about it this year because he also just got his extension. So next year you're talking about instead of rookie contract, Luca, you're, you know, mini max contract Luca. So. All right. So what do you have uh, for, um, and maybe you don't have this, but I'm, I'm going to try and make this a little difficult for you. Give me two non-playoff teams. So one from each conference that makes the playoffs this year. Uh, this is actually pretty easy for me. Oh, okay. Um, okay. We're, we're going to start right at home. The Chicago bulls, baby. Okay. All right. I'm, uh, I'm absolutely certain that this team is going to make the playoffs this year. There's just too much talent on this roster. I watched a little bit of, I, I watched one entire preseason game and then some of, of uh, a couple of the other ones. And man, is this team going to be fun. It's going to be immensely frustrating at times, but only because there's so many guys now that there's just not, you know, like Kobe White's injured to start the season. There might just not be minutes for Kobe White. Like Kobe White might end up playing half of the minutes he played last year, which would suck because I love him. But I'd rather have DeMar DeRozan playing those minutes. I'd rather have Alex Caruso playing those minutes. Like you got to prove more, especially defensively if you're Kobe. But I, Levine looks incredible. Lonzo and DeRozan and Vucevic all fit around him. Patrick Williams is you know, still going to start and be really good. So I think the Bulls are a lock in the East to uh, to make the playoffs this year as a team that totally bombed out last year, gave up our first round pick for Vucevic and then lost. Um, the West, the West, I'm torn because I actually think there's two really good choices in the West to make the playoffs that missed it last year. Um, now, I guess how I answer this question depends on, do you count the teams that finished ninth and 10th and made the play in as that's not a playoff team, right? No, that's not a playoff team, not a playoff team. So, I mean, the warriors are, are an obvious one. Um, yeah, that's from last year. Yep. um, but I, I actually think the Minnesota Timberwolves are a playoff team this year. Okay. It's at the, at the very, le- I think they can get an eight seed, but at the very least, I believe they can get in the play in tournament. Okay. I really like Minnesota's roster this year. Anthony Edwards was great last season. They have a ton of depth. Cat's like healthy and in shape and motivated. Um, you and I talked a little about him already, obviously, because I'm on a cat high right now because he dropped the 10 in the draft for me. Um, but I, I just think they have some stability in Minnesota for a change um, and that it's going to look really good. When they were – when Cat and those guys got back at the end of the season, they were a top five offense. So if they can get any defense, if Patrick Beverly can maybe encourage D'Angelo Russell to at least get into a defensive stance once in a while, then maybe that can be okay. And I think they have the offensive firepower to make the leap this year. Uh, so who is your NBA finals pick and your champion? This is so hard. There's never been more parity in the league than there is right now. This is if you if you have ever been a fan of basketball and stopped being a fan of basketball because you were tired of just like 
the star factor uh, being all about me and you know having like two teams that are guaranteed to go to the finals every year tune back in this season because there's almost no team that has a three-star setup it's all two-star teams or one-star teams and there's like legitimately nine teams that could win the title this year like it's the best it's ever been and i'm really excited about it i think i think my initial thought and it's almost a little unfair that you let me watch a game before i answered this question because i might have told you yesterday that i thought brooklyn was a lock to come out of the east but i don't know man milwaukee looks exactly like they looked in the finals last year last night in that game and i'm not betting against Giannis until somebody takes him out now that's it he's reached lebron status for me in, in as far as that goes where i'm just not going to say anybody else until somebody proves they can beat him so i have to go i have to my original preseason pick was nets and uh i have to go with the bucks it's the bucks bucks out of the east and the lakers in the west even though the lakers looked horrific last night I still well, think eventually they figure that out. Yeah, well, I agree. I, I think last night was – it's going to take them a few weeks to to figure out their shit. They they always start slow, though, or LeBron teams usually start slow. So I agree with you. Well, I mean, I also had the Nets. I had the Nets. I had the Nets and Lakers as well. Um, but now that doesn't sound – look so good after Milwaukee drubbed them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and the thing, too, is I was trying to find another team in the West because I just don't want to pick the Lakers because everyone's taking the Lakers. And I, I wanted to find somebody else. Uh, to me, I I still think Kevin Durant's the best basketball player in the world. So it's hard for me not to take not to still feel confident at the end of the day that the Nets could still pull this out, uh, yeah. especially since he was a what half an inch away from beating the Bucks in the playoffs and presumably going on to win a championship last season. Uh, big ass foot. That was it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but in the West, I just don't know if there's another team. It look if Clay comes back and Clay's healthy, like healthy, healthy, and by the time the playoffs start, he's Pete Clay. The Warriors can compete with the Lakers uh, to make it to the finals. I just don't think that's going to happen. Not this year. Next year, maybe. Yeah. But there's really not another team in the West that, I mean, yeah, Phoenix will be there. Maybe Utah. But after Utah losing in the playoffs last year, last year to the Clippers, it's kind of hard for me to buy into Utah. So, yeah, I, I think the Lakers, unfortunately, are the only option in the West. The East is much more competitive, I think. So if, I agree. If you take Milwaukee, if you took the Nets, um, I'm trying to think, I guess the depending on what happens in Philly, if they can make a trade and actually get a decent piece. Nah, Philly ain't going nowhere. You don't, you don't think Philly's going no. anywhere? Okay. No, no, no. Miami. Miami's the team in the East that I'm looking at that's not in the in the conversation that could make the run because Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and Bam Adebayo, I don't know that there's going to be a better team defense in the league this year. Mm -hmm. And if Tyler Hero looks as good as he's looked in the preseason and Duncan Robinson's still himself. That's a pretty, pretty nasty lineup of guys who can not only kill you off the dribble, lock you down on the defensive end, but are also going to shoot the lights out. 
I, I really like Miami. I, there's a part of me that wants to pick Miami. It's just the honest factor um, that, that keeps me from doing so. The, you're right, though. The thing about the West is all the teams you would really want to pick outside the Lakers have these massive, massive pieces that are going to come back from injury, and we're not sure what it's going to look like. Like right. the Warriors with a healthy clay, yeah, they could beat the Lakers and go to the finals. The Nuggets with a healthy Jamal Murray could absolutely bomb the Lakers out and, and go to the finals. The Clippers with a healthy Kawhi. You know, it's just all those guys are missing. I think it says a lot, though, that the Suns aren't missing anybody and we are not picking them to contend to go back to the finals. I just think it was a fluke last year, man. I do. And it's not just it. And frankly, I think Phoenix completely blew their opportunity like that was that laid up on a silver platter for them. And this isn't taking anything, anything away from what Giannis ended up doing. But I'm just saying, like, you're up 2-0 in the finals. You had no business being in the finals. This was served on a cake for you for Chris Paul to finally get his championship. Devin Booker was going to be the new top whatever in the league. And you blew it. And blew I it. just I, I just don't I don't know how anyone can have any confidence in them this season. Not saying that they're not a good team, not saying they won't make the playoffs. They'll be a top maybe three, four seed in the in, you know at the end of the season, but I just don't have any confidence, man. And you brought up Utah, and I, I also don't think that Utah can look, they might finish with the best record again. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think they can compete for a title. I don't. Even though I think Donovan Mitchell is incredible. He's D Wade with a three pointer, like he's really good, like exceptional. They just don't have – it's not even that they don't have pieces around him. They do. It's just the pieces around him when you face teams like the Warriors or the Blazers or the Mavericks in the playoffs that are just going to go small and run you out of the gym, they don't have the personnel to play that way. Like right. they need to – honestly, the, the Utah Jazz are maybe the best team to take down the Lakers – because Gobert would never have to come off the floor, you know, and they have multiple defenders to send LeBron and Russ and those guys. And Mitchell, I think, can score with any of them. But <laughs> I don't know what the path is for them to get through the rest of the West to get to the Lakers. Right. Um, which is, you know, kind of a, a sad irony that they would probably be best suited to play L.A. And I just don't know how they get there. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate. So you had said earlier that you're you're sticking with Giannis until somebody knocks him down. So does that mean that you're taking Giannis to repeat as as the NBA champion? Yeah, I I think I have to. Okay. And you know, it's not even just that. It's it's kind of crazy because obviously there's recency bias with the title. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we've known for years now that Giannis is incredible. That's fine. Personally, I like Chris Middleton. I like Drew Holiday. I like Brooke Lopez. I didn't think any of those guys were win you a title kind of guys. Chris Middleton is doing like a Reggie Miller impression. Like he is a true, he's a star. Nobody talks about him that way. And I've never talked about him that way. Because it just it's so hard for me to conceptualize this guy, this very unassuming, 
quiet second round pick is now like an actual star. Like he's the number two on that team. And Drew Holiday, even though he's going to get hurt 15 times a year, as long as he's healthy come playoff time, like he is exceptional. He's going to, he's maybe the best perimeter defender in basketball. Brooke Lopez is the greatest story in the NBA to me. This dude came in, he couldn't rebound. He couldn't play defense. All he was was a low post banger. He was one of the best low post scorers we had seen. He's been in the league for like 16 years. And now all of a sudden he's a three point shooter and a lockdown defender and a rim protector. Like this Bucks team just is so complete. And it feels like they added some good pieces. Like Grayson Allen is good as much, as much as I hate to say that because I hate that dookie little shit, but they have good role players as well. Pat Connaughton is good. You know, like George Hill can play basketball. It's not, um, there are no weak spots on their roster. And they also have maybe the best player in basketball. Okay. So you've got Bucks Lakers with the Bucks taking the whole thing. I have Nets Lakers with the Nets taking the whole thing. So, so the moral of the story is LeBron's a loser. Yeah, pretty much. Which we all knew anyway, especially after that Space Jam movie. Oh, God. Well, I just figured, you know, we we, we got to mention his Space Jam movie since you're, the title of your podcast is Secret Stuff. So we should do. Did Richard see it? We should do one full Richo and Lala where we just deep dive break down the, space, the LeBron Space Jam movie. I think he did see it. I want to say he did. I think he saw it before I did. Um. But I'm not sure. We'll have to, I'll have to check on that. But no, we should do a deep dive on that movie and compare and contrast the two because uh, there's a lot there. Yeah. So uh, we'll wrap it up here, but I want to give you the opportunity. Floor is yours. Talk about whatever you want. Plug your shit. Do your thing. Well, you know, I took a long hiatus from podcasting and I'm happy to be back doing it. I'm happy to be back with, uh, with our network, The Sideline. Um, it's been fun jumping on with you and, and Richo and Lala and stuff like that. Um, personally, I think it should just be Maddie and Lala from now on, because I think I'm better at it, but you know, that's all right. It's all right. Everybody's got their own little spot. Um, yeah. And just, uh, tune in weekly secret stuff, fantasy basketball podcast. The second episode I'm actually looking forward to the most because that's where we're going to get into waivers and streaming. And that is, uh, you have to be really calculated when it comes to that stuff. And that strategy is oftentimes how you not, not necessarily win your league. A lot of luck is involved in winning your league, but to ensure that you are a playoff team and a contender, it comes down to the moves that you make during the season. And that's kind of what we're getting into this week. So I'm pretty excited about that. So. All right, guys, we'll be on the lookout for that. Make sure you check out episode one, which is currently available wherever you got your podcast. Check out episode two, which will come out. What day do you release? Uh, we're going to drop. I'm going to drop it on Sunday and push through Monday. That way it can be there for everybody to, you know, you're doing some yard work on Sunday, not watching football in the morning. Listen to a podcast. Oh, there you go. So you can check it out every Sunday. And uh, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and coming on. It was fun as always to uh, talk a little basketball and, you know, good luck with the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks, LaValley. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to download 
the Secret Stuff, a fantasy basketball podcast hosted by the Sideline Network's very own Matthew Danieluk and his buddy Decott. Episode 1 is currently available, and Episode 2 will drop on Sunday. So be sure to give those a listen, and that is it. That's all I have for you this week. Be well, stay safe. Talk to you all again soon. <laughs>